and repeat and repeat. And I said rinse and repeat and repeat yeah. and repeat <clears throat> and repeat. That's a lot of strikeouts from Robbie Ray. Uh... He's having, so if Jasper Hernandez was on any other team, he would be the absolute talk of that club. When they were down, what was it? Eight games on the on the wild card. That's when I counted them out. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome to episode number 220 of Artificial Turf Wars, where our capacity and social distancing restrictions remain in place because our capacity is like two and we're 200 kilometers apart when we we do this. I am Greg Wisniewski, your host, joined as always by the affable Joshua Housem. Josh, how you doing? I don't know if many people would agree with that adjective, but I'll take it. I'm good, thanks. <laughs> um, we're all good because it's it's been a little longer than a week, but all of the news in the Blue Jays front has been pretty good. Uh, we're going to start by talking about one inning for I don't know how long. It's going to be a seventh inning because that's my new favorite inning, Josh. Um, but then we will move sure. on. We will move on to the the four out of five man rotation that's doing just fine. And maybe the fifth guy that they added uh, after a little injury will also be just fine because he was before he got injured. Are you confused yet? Yeah. Uh, one of those five is a Cy Young candidate. We're going to talk about Robbie Ray. Uh, one of the Blue Jays batters is a Triple Crown candidate. We're going to talk about Vlad Jr. and our 40 home run second baseman and Teoscar Hernandez, who might be a 30 home run hitter this year and Bo Bichette. And then we'll move on to the pitching where Nate Pearson is uh, looking like a very important added weapon to a bullpen that finally, finally can be counted on for something this season. Uh, we will go to your questions where you will probably ask about a bunch of those things and we'll try not to repeat ourselves. Uh, and then, uh, we're going to give a shout out to uh, Garrett Cole, who said a bunch of things that we were all thinking, though not maybe with the tone that we were thinking them. Uh, that, that should round out the podcast. I think let us begin some time ago. We, we were recording a podcast in the middle of a game, uh, in Baltimore and the Blue Jays were being no hit as I recall. Yeah, we don't. It was only the third inning when we were, when we finished recording, but they had no hits at that point. Yeah, and it was it was uh, it was the seventh inning, and I, I do believe they still had no hits coming up in the seventh inning. And it is was a doubleheader, so this was the last the last gasp uh, on on in a road game, um, and and some people hope for a bloop and a blast in order to get the Blue Jays back in. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was the leadoff batter. And I mean, a bloop from Vlad is not ideal, but it's fine, right? He gets on base a lot. Matter of fact, he gets on base more than anybody else in the American League. And that's what we got. So we got a single from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And then immediately following that, uh, the Jays were down one nothing. Bo Bichette homered and put the Jays ahead 2-1. to one. And then Teoscar Hernandez. So, so we broke up the no-hitter and we got rid of the shutout and two batters. And took the uh, lead. And took the lead. Good. Everything's good. Just, you know, cruise with that. Uh, Blue Jays didn't want to cruise with that. Teoscar Hernandez singled. So starter out of the game, Tanner Scott replaces Keegan Aiken, uh, who's no hitter is a distant memory at this point. And then Alejandro Kirk immediately homers on the second pitch he sees. So now it's 4-1. And then Lourdes Gurriel singles. And then uh, Gerard Dyson pinch runs. Randall Grichuk singles. They, they talk to someone on the mound again. Uh, Bravik Valera. Sacrifice fly. First out of the inning, the Blue Jays have scored five runs. 
and George Springer singles. Then they talk to someone on the mound again. They don't make a pitching change. I don't know how they manage that. Uh, and then Marcus Semien homers. This is the catcher, by the way. But... Oh, the catcher mound visit. Marcus Semien homers. So that's eight to one. Blue Jays, one out. Vladimir Guerrero, you remember him? He started the inning. He's back. He singles again. Uh, then they change to Manny Beretta, replacing Taylor Scott, who obviously didn't get anything done. Bo Bichette, singles. And then Teoscar Hernandez, homers. Now it's 11 to 1. There's one out. Alejandro Kirk walks. Gerard Dyson, who wasn't even in the game when this inning started, makes the second out. Randall Grichuk walks. And then Bravik Valera finishes the inning by flying out, by lining out. What the heck just happened? So that was sort of the slow read of it, but they went single homer, single homer, single, single, sack fly, single homer, single, single homer. <laughs> they, but the crazy thing is about this is they scored eight runs, or sorry, 11 runs with one out with no doubles or triples. <laughs> it was just singles and home runs. No walks, walks was, even until the, yeah. until after the, the 11th run scored. So very, just a bizarre inning. So the, the final line was 11 hits, 11 runs for the Blue Jays. Everything in the seventh inning. I'm, I, my mind could not process that inning, even as it was happening. I, I, I just, I've never seen that much carnage. All about four home runs in one inning. How many games it, do you go to that you don't see four home runs? Well, what, what may, I mean, the Jays do sometimes put up stupid innings. 11 runs in an inning is especially stupid, but it's even crazier when they've been no hit for the first six. Yeah. It's like, they, okay. It's two completely different games. <laughs> Flick, switch, done. Um, the fact that Vladimir Guerrero and Bo Bichette were both two for two in the inning. After going 0 for 2 for the rest of the game. Um, yeah, just mind-blowingly uh, dominant there. And I don't know if we're going to see anything quite like that. I mean, Baltimore helped by being absolutely abysmally awful. And that's probably not going to happen too often. But what a wild ride to go from trying to scratch out a hit to destroying a team 11 to one. You look at that the next morning in the paper uh, or in the, on the website, cause nobody looks at the paper anymore. You look at it the next morning. I don't think anyone would ever guess that that's how the blue Jays uh, got an 11, 11 to no. two, sorry, victory. Um, yeah. Then they started the next day with single walk, walk hit by a pitch to score a run <laughs> grand slam. <laughs> so basically they scored 16 runs in three, in three outs. Yeah, again, back to like totally different picture, different day, different every No, we're just going to keep train wrecking you. So the Blue Jays continue to win uh, big against Baltimore with that. Was it also 11 till 2? Uh, I'm waiting for my screen to load again. The, the final game of the series was 22 yeah. to 7. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was looking at 11 10, <laughs> 11 10, 11 2, and 22 7, which you rightly pointed out uh, in our pre chat. It took them how long to score 44 runs? Less than 24 hours. <laughs> uh, they tried to find that record, and I I, I believe that that was the, the, the record for scoring runs since like 19... Was it 25? Something like that. I don't know. But I can't it imagine being, someone doing more than that. But 
anyway. Uh, and of course, they scored. They lost the first game of that series, incredibly, but they scored 47 runs in the four games, the most the Blue Jays have ever scored in a four-game series. So the Orioles uh, took it on the chin, and we thank them very much because the Blue Jays have needed every single win they could possibly get because the Yankees and the Red Sox have been playing out of their minds as well. Yep. Uh, They've won so, five in a row as we record this. Yeah. Uh, the Red Sox. The Yankees have been having a worse time of it. Uh, yeah, the Yankees lost two of three in their most recent series, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, Tampa Bay comes to Toronto for the second series. And the Blue Jays, everyone thought, okay, if the Blue Jays are truly an offensive juggernaut team, they're going to have to beat the Rays. And, and it was uh, Ryan Yarbrough. The Blue Jays have been owned by, right, for the past, feels like, three years. And they messed him up. Yeah, they got, what, seven runs off of him? It was, <laughs> they just beat him down. As again, it was, it was a parade of hits from the bottom of the order in that one, which is really interesting. So another 8-1 victory. And then just when you thought the Blue Jays couldn't be stopped, they got shut out 2-0. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It happens, folks. Uh, so they took series from Tampa Bay. They won two of three versus the Twins. Um, and they are, I won't say firmly in a playoff spot, but they continue to hold a playoff spot as we uh, as we look at the standing here tonight. And they are playing the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, they, they got some luck with, the, like I said, the Orioles lost two of three. Or sorry, the, the, the Yankees lost two of three to Cleveland. Cleveland pummeled them we'll get back to the second one of those later <laughs> and then i'll give the jays a as we record this again one and a half game cushion on the yankees which is nice because the yankees are playing texas and texas is just awful um and the jays are playing tampa and you know it wouldn't be at all shocking if the jays were to lose two of three to tampa and the yankees were to sweep texas and the jays would find themselves a half game back but only half game back in that scenario, it wouldn't be so bad because the Yankees finish up with Boston, Toronto, Tampa, and the Jays finish up finish up with Minnesota, New York, Baltimore. So <laughs> they put themselves in a much better sh sh situation by winning their series that they were playing and having the Yankees lose it. Yeah. How come the Red Sox finish against the Nationals? Who wrote that up? Oh, uh, who, who knows? Baseball's <laughs> weird. Well, there's only five. There's five teams in the division, right? So one of them's got to be playing somebody else. Yeah, I just it's like not even an American League team standings wise. They, they're having no impact at all that way. But it was just yeah. kind of weird. Like, why an interleague someone, game so, to close the season out? Well, someone's got to be playing interleague at the end of the season. It just happened to be Boston and Washington. Fair enough. One, one would hope it was you know Baltimore, but but yeah, it should be like Kansas City and Pittsburgh. It's like no, this yeah. will not matter. We know <laughs> nobody's going to be excited about it. Uh, so how have the Blue Jays been, been doing this? Uh, largely, they have been doing it, you know, on, on all cylinders, but certainly we should give props to the rotation. Four of the five members are playing um, above above grade of what we might have expected out of them at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I mean, Ray, we'll, we'll, we'll finish with Ray because he gets his own special mention. But, you know, Manoa has been excellent. Uh, you know, he he had a couple hiccups in the middle there, especially that start against Oakland, which we uh, we talked about it. And then he was okay against New York, but overall in the season, his ERA is three three nine. He's got one hundred and two strikeouts in ninety three innings. He hits a batter or two. 
<laughs> some offense may be taken from time to time when he does these things. Yeah, if it weren't for Austin Adams, people would probably talk about it more, but, you know, that's different. Um, yeah, so he's been great. Matt's has been fantastic. The, you know, Matt's had his struggles early on. Well, he was great at the start, and then he struggled basically through May and June. Since the start of July, he's got a two-and-a-half ERA. And when you add those two guys to Barrios and Ray, Barrios has been excellent of late as well, you have four really top-of-the-line starting pitchers at the front. And, you know, we can talk about Ray before we talk about you know, the, the, other, the other guy who I didn't just mention, if you want to start that one up. Well, I, I think we should give Barrios uh, acknowledgement that he had a little bit of a hiccup as well when he when he came. He had a couple of bad starts. Apparently, he has made a mechanical adjustment as per Pete Walker and is using his fastball a little more aggressively. So, you know, these adjustments continue to get made, and they, they seem to all be trending in a positive direction. Did you want to talk about the guy we're adding or the guy we lost? <laughs> well, no, no. I want to talk about Ray a bit more. I mean, okay. Um, so those those three, Robbie Ray, I think you got to say your your Cy Young leading candidate in the American League. I, I don't think it's a question now. I mean, obviously, it depends on what happens to him in this game. Which he's his velocity's down in this game, which is a little concerning. But he's he's, he's surpassed his career high in innings, so it's possible it's just you know a, a brief blip. But he's completely remade himself into the best pitcher in the American league. And he, he does it. It's funny. He's a two pitch pitcher, right? So you would think that his slider, which is his second pitch, well, he throws a curveball on a changeup, but just rarely his slider, you would think would be an elite, hard, huge breaking slider. It isn't, it doesn't drop a lot. It doesn't cut in a lot, but because of the way he uses it and the way he throws his fastball, the two pitches are just so similar looking out of the hand that he gets a lot of whiffs on a slider that on average breaks considerably less than, you know, say Alec Manoa's slider, which has six inches extra break on it than, than Ray's. But he has, he has turned that into a weapon, presumably by making sure that so much of what he's doing ends up in the zone. Well, that's the thing, right? He throws his fastball so hard and his slider so hard that people have to start their swing early because he's throwing strikes. And yeah. and that allows him, when he's pitching that fastball inside on right-handers, when he throws the slider, they have to swing at it because it looks like that fastball, and then they're done. Rinse, so it's, it's incredible repeat. what he's doing. <laughs> and repeat and repeat. And, I said rinse and repeat and repeat yeah. and repeat and repeat. <clears throat> That's a lot of strikeouts from Robbie Ray. Uh, was it the first Blue Jays pitcher since Roger Clemens to have? It was like, there's all these stats getting thrown around. How many 13 plus K games and then how many 10 K games in a row? And um, so, yeah. Yeah. The, the only 13 plus K games are, or, or and no walks. Thirteen plus thirteen Ks and no walks. There's four by Clemens, two by Ray. That is the list for the Blue Jays. In forty whatever years of franchise, forty four years of, of being a franchise. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I understand more strikeouts are happening now, but the no walks thing certainly tips you off about how how effective he has been at doing that. 
Which is why he can, despite striking all, all these people, still get into the seventh inning on a very regular basis. Yep. Ain't nothing wrong with that. No, it's... <laughs> there's no, You can't ask for anything more than what he has done. Um, now, we should talk about the, the, the change in the starting rotation that is upon us now that we have acknowledged that Robbie Ray should probably win. That's Cy Young. Uh... Hyunjin Ryu with with a neck strain, a mild neck strain. Uh, insert joke about how how a pitcher strains his neck by turning around to watch the ball flying past him. Um, has been replaced temporarily by Ross Stripling, who, as you mentioned, was great before he ended up on the the uh, disabled or sorry the injured list. Presumably, he would have been in the rotation uninjured, and it would have been Matt's move to the bullpen. I don't think that's the case. I think it would have been Stripling going to the pen just because he'd done it before. That's kind of the way Montoya had talked about it. Hmm. But either way, he was pitching so well, and then the injury kind of made the decision for them. So I was curious what he's going to look like when he came back. He was terrible in that first outing against Baltimore, but that was his first game back. And then he gave a home run to the first batter he faced his last <laughs> outing, but then threw three spotless innings. And if he, if he can be anything close to what he was doing before going down, the Jays are not going to miss Hyunjin Ryu one bit. No, because Hyunjin Ryu has uh, charitably been a question mark for like his last seven starts. He's had the one good outing against the Yankees and the rest of it has been like fingernail chewing, not goodness. Yeah. I I don't really know what to, what, it, what it is about Ryu. His, his velocity goes up and down between starts. He has a tendency to lose his zone a bit, which is really weird. Uh, Chris Black at Down to Black, he had made a point that his changeup is getting hit way harder this year, which is a surprise. It's almost like hitters are sitting on it, and that's why he's having more success when he's been locating his cutter. But I don't know. Ryu needs to figure it out because he's still on a contract for two more years for $20 million And you know, he's supposed to be their number one. And right now he's their number five. Or, well, no, I'll say five. But, yeah, it's it's worrying. Hopefully that the time off with his, you know, with his neck soreness, as he's listed, allows him to get back to whatever he needs to be because they still need him going forward. Well, I think when Ryu was signed, there was an issue with uh, how many how many innings or how durable Ryu would be, uh, and we are at the point where Ryu is pretty close to his all time uh, high in innings pitched. Which I'm not saying he should be wearing down at this point, but uh, you know that was one of the concerns. It would not be entirely surprising if that concern came to fruition. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see. Yeah, and hopefully we see in, uh, you know, we see a, a rejuvenated Ryu when he gets to at least skip a turn. Uh, on the flip side, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., the triple clown, triple clown, no, I'm the clown. Triple crown is within his grasp again, uh, although he does have a lot of people uh, sort of chomping at his heels for the home run crown and the RBI crown. Yeah, <laughs> well, he's 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 chasing people for the RBI crown, including his teammate. I, I don't think he's got a shot. He's a good, I think it's nine runs batted in behind 
the leaders now. It's just, you know, his season has been magical, but he, you know, he's had some struggles, which we talked about last week with the runner, multiple runners on base. But it doesn't really matter. He's still having just an absolutely monster season. Holy crap. Well, yeah, I mean, he those three categories don't obviously tell us very much about about total offensive production. He leads the league in runs scored, which tells you how often he's been in base, uh, been on base uh, with with that powerful lineup around him. Uh, he leads the league in on base percentage. He leads the league, I believe, in slugging. So it's it's not a lack of production that is hurting his RBI totals. Um, he also had in the past two weeks more home runs than either walks or strikeouts. Just let that sink in. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah. It's just an insane number. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Vlad Jr. puts the bat on the ball. And when he doesn't, uh, m- often enough, he ends up on first base anyway because they have been too scared um, to do anything but walk him. So, yeah. Uh, and uh, some of those home runs, the one that he tied his uh, – uh, or hit his – was 45th? Was the one at the 15-degree launch angle? Yeah, I was at that one. I couldn't believe that ball went <laughs> out of the park. <laughs> it went out quickly, though. You didn't have to think about it for very long. 115 no, I, miles I, an hour and 10 feet high. 116, I think. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, it was... It was just like... That's one of those things where... So it's not the only one to do that this year. It's him and Machado. But that's one of those things where it's just... Okay, like <laughs> this guy is truly a special hitter, and my goodness, like I, the stuff, the show he's been putting on in September after he was really wearing down, like physically, he he admitted he was tired in August, and he's just somehow found another gear in September. And look, he's not going to win. We can talk about it now. He's not going to win the MVP. It's going to be Shohei Otani, unless Vlad just hits ten home runs in the final week of the season or something like that. But. In any other year, this would be a clear, this guy's the MVP, and he's 22. Yeah. I mean, I think his name is already on the Hank Aaron Award at this point, is it not? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. There's not even a contender for that. Pre-engraved. <laughs> it's just going to pass it to you in a couple weeks. Um, yeah, I am I, I have no doubt that this is uh, a historic season in, in any measure, and, and the fact that Shohei Otane is, is having a historic season in a sense that the word historic, you know, hardly captures is the only reason Vlad is not the MVP. Absolutely. And I, you know, I feel for him at that point, but I think, I think the accolade, I think the performance and the success is more important than the accolade. Uh, And he's 22. He's got lots of time to do other things that are absolutely ridiculous in this league. Well, and speaking of that, so I I tweeted this out earlier today, we're recording this on Monday. Entering today, Vlad had an OPS plus of 177. In the history of baseball, five people in their age 22 or younger season have matched that or better. Ted Williams, Ty Cobb. So, you know, two. Yeah, they're they're fine. Yeah. Um, Stan Musial, I believe, was was the third one. He was pretty good. Bryce Harper and Mike Trout. (laughs) So we're talking about three inner circle hall of famers <laughs> like <laughs> yeah three of the greatest hitters of all time and then two guys who are going to be inner circle hall of famers when their careers are over 
Yeah, I, I think the the company is that you keep there is is unquestionable. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, I don't know. We could we could probably go on for a little bit longer and gush about Vlad, but I'm so glad he's doing it. I'm glad for him. You know, I'm glad for the team. I'm glad for the fans. The fans are also watching other people do things that I think we are we're beyond our expectations. Marcus Semyon beyond our expectations. Uh, Forty home runs as a second baseman for the freaking Blue Jay. Yeah, forty home runs for a second baseman for. Anybody. He's just, it's, yeah. It just, and then we're talking about why Vlad doesn't have a huge RBI tool. It's probably because this guy keeps hitting home runs in front of him. <laughs> don't stop that, though, Marcus. Just just keep doing that. Well, we won't worry about the RBI. They don't need that much. Uh, so, yeah, congratulations to Marcus, who is uh, in the process of writing checks for himself for the next five years uh, when he hits free agency. Um, De Oscar Hernandez is. Uh, is as good as Edwin Encarnacion was for the Blue Jays. Went back and looked at uh, the first 464 games with the Blue Jays. I know that seems arbitrary, but Teoscar Hernandez and Edwin Encarnacion batting average, 263, both. Home runs, 100 for Teoscar, 99 for Encarnacion, and OPS, 830 for Hernandez, 835 for Encarnacion. Yes, I'm sure there's lots of ways that they were different, i.e. the number of times that Teoscar has struck out. But nevertheless, that OPS is kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, Teoscar's OPS is higher than Semyon's now, actually. And he's having, so if Teoscar Hernandez is on any other team, he would be the absolute talk of that club. With the kind of year he's having, he'd be like, this guy's a star. The team has to extend him in the offseason, which the Jays probably are going to do. But on this team, he's just lost <laughs> because Vlad and Semyon are doing such crazy things that Teoscar is just quietly having a tremendous year. Yeah. So uh, this is our we didn't forget about Teoscar Hernandez thing. Yeah. Uh, which is going to be slid in right before the "Hey, Bo Bichette deserves a shout out as well" thing. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, it, it's just a like a cavalcade of stars, really, on the offensive side of the ball. It's it's amazing that this team, which has now scored basically uh, more, you know, this run differential is right up there with all the other division leaders, has only won eighty something games. Yeah. I it, the alley sucks. <laughs> Bobachet, by the way, twenty six home runs, ninety seven driven in, twenty two stolen bases, just for fun. Um, yeah, with an with an over eight hundred OPS as a shortstop. Yeah, the top five spots in the Jays lineup are just deadly, and then when they have Kirk and and Guriel hitting six seven, it's really tough to navigate. Guriel has twenty eight RBI now in the month of September. <laughs> It's when the pitchers relax just a little bit. He hits a grand slam. Exactly. Yeah, uh, he's going to need to do that in this game probably because the Blue Jays just went down on a, uh, a one of those those Robbie Ray doesn't allow very many home runs, but he still does occasionally. Yeah, that just happened. Uh, anyway, it was a very trop inning, by the way. So the first batter, the first guy to get on, the ball hits the umpire. The next one is a chop infield single, and then a three run homer. <laughs> Sounds sounds exactly how they built that team. Um, well, we should turn our eyes to the bullpen before we we move uh, away from the weekend review. Nate Pearson has joined the bullpen. 
didn't didn't look like he had a lot of control when he in the first outing. I think I talked talked about that last podcast. Uh, things continue to improve for Pearson, though. Yeah, he's now in his. He's not had too many relief outings because well, that's just the nature of when he came up. But it, so his first outing in relief, he came out, did not get a strike. Only got two swings and misses, actually, which obviously was not ideal. Since then, he has pitched five innings and struck out ten. Those are Nate Pearson numbers. Right. And his last outing, he struck out the side against the Twins. Uh, he gave up the two home runs in that meaningless game against the Yankees with that nonsense Luke Voigt celebration, which we talked about last time. But, yeah, he looks every bit the dominant reliever that they're going to need to really go down the stretch here. I mean, but it's like they've got the five-headed monster of Romano, Mats, Simber, Richards, and Pearson, all of whom have been excellent since well for for the other four since august and pearson since you know the last few times out you said matt and you meant mesa i did say matt's and mean mesa you know there's some similar <laughs> letters in there there's an m a and z in both of them i was like what is he talking about? oh right tim mesa yeah no i like tim mesa oh man yeah yeah i mean f- five elite relievers and and two question mark uh is probably better than six average relievers right Oh, yeah. I mean, well, Julie Merriweather is still struggling a bit since coming back, and Baraki is who knows. But those five guys, you need those late-inning or middle-inning guys to hold leads. The rest of the other guys in the bullpen are there to keep games close. And, you know, I, I'd happily count on Brian Baraki, Julian Merriweather, and, I don't know, Taylor Salcedo, I think, is currently the other guy. I'd, I'd count on any of those guys to keep a game close, but it's those other ones to not give up runs. I, I have no hesitation in going to any five of them and being fine. And that is not something you would have said a couple of months ago about this team. 100% not. <laughs> so, everything's improved. But I guess the big question is, does that mean that the Blue Jays are going to make the playoffs, Josh? Excellent question. (laughs) (laughs) I talked earlier about how they put themselves in the good position, you know, as they head into the house of horrors, that is Tropicana field there. And as you mentioned, they're currently losing in the fifth. The schedule favors them, but they'll like, it really come down to, I think that three game series against the Yankees that starts next Monday. They got, now, the the Red Sox are going to be tough to catch. The Jays are tied with them in the loss column, but the Red Sox have pl- won the two extra games that they've played. And the Red Sox schedule down the rest of the way, aside from their series with the Yankees, is just a joke. So it's going to be Jays and Yankees for that second one, and that's going to be one heck of a series. Indeed. Yeah, I, I am still not willing to declare that I think anything will happen here, but I am happy to have egg on my face still from earlier in the season if if things break well in the Jays' favor. And yeah, I think we shall see is is still very much the case. We don't have very many of these podcasts left where we can say we shall see until we've seen. That's true. All right. Hopefully well, hopefully, hopefully, the Jays sweep that Yankees series and we can say we don't care about this Orioles series. <laughs> that would be sweet. All right. We will come back uh, after a very short break with your questions regarding uh, the last uh, home stretch of baseball season right after this. Just a boy right through the park. In a place of mistaken identity. 
and we are back. And I'm I'm feeling, uh, you know, a little bit of trepidation. Not at answering the questions, though. I love to answer questions uh, like this. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Uh, the first question was from uh, Paul Vandergrant, who slid into our DMs. You don't have to slide into our DMs to get the question answered, but, uh, you know, you can at TurfPod. Uh, at P. Vandergrant asks, I would love to get the TurfPod opinion on this. For a few years now, I have had a 1993 style Carlos Delgado number six jersey. It has a World Series champion patch on the sleeve. He never played in the World Series, but it has a ring for being called up in August of 1993 as far as I know. Poser or legit? First of all, I would like to clarify that that was catcher of the future, Carlos Delgado, who got called up in uh, August of 93, correct? Damn right. <laughs> it's been forever. It's been going on. Never and he stops. Two plate appearances. He walked and got a ground out, I think it was. He was over one with a walk. Uh, so, the question, though, was poser or legit? Um, if they ever had patches that said that on the jerseys that he wore then it is legit otherwise no so would that be actually a 1994 carlos delgado number six jersey that's what i was thinking it might have been in which case legit because they would have been just wearing the world series jersey like the royals had those stupid gold letters for an entire year god that bothered me i don't know why <laughs> all right next Ellie, abolish the filibuster, you cowards, at Ellie Ellie Hart says, were there inter points during the season where you completely counted out the Jays? I know I did. Should I answer that first, Josh? Go for it. Uh, on just about every podcast from May through July, I think you can, I'm on record as pretty much having counted out the Blue Jays, so I can't back down from that now. What about you? Well, I definitely wasn't because I was the one arguing 100% they should not be selling, they should be adding at the deadline, so I definitely wasn't counting them out. Um... When they were down, what was it, eight games on the on the wild card? That's when I counted them out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I didn't say that they were done for sure, but it was like, I, I was like, it's going to take a miracle for them to get back into this thing. And then, and then yeah, they kind happened. of got that miracle where they won a whole bunch of games in a row and the Yankees lost a whole bunch of games in a row. The odds of that happening were very, very slim. So, but yeah, I definitely did. Yeah, we we are not we're not here to claim uh, a clairvoyance or or uh, premonition ability here on the turf pot. Uh, Colleen Evans six asks, "What logo, brand, team would you like to see the Toronto Blue Jays City Connect jerseys styled after?" Of course, we all know that they will be red with maple leaf. Uh, Josh, as long as they're not black and gold for Drake, I'll be okay. You know. Could could you style them after the the Raptors original purple and burgundy? Would that be weird? It would be. Um, they could go with the old Maple Leafs from the the, the semi pro oh. team that Babe Ruth played against. That I think that's where you go. I think you go to to actual baseball history in Toronto because that's been uh, that's been established. I also hate all of these. One, oh, they're terrible. We want to sell more crap to people who don't actually watch the game but would like to have a hat slash jersey slash lapel pin i don't know I, they're all horrible everything sucks um 
and and were apparently designed by someone who did not have a graphic design degree is my best guess Yep. Davy David Hahn <laughs> at Davy Danger Pants says, I'd like to know what you think will or prefer to happen with the third base situation come the end of the season playoffs. So the reason this is even an issue is because Espinal and Biggio are both days or or even a day away from returning. The Jays have been rolling with Valera and Lamb. Lamb is not even eligible for the postseason because he joined the roster on September 3rd. I think that it's going to be an Espinal-Biggio thing with Valera as the guy on the bench. Espinal was playing great until he went down. He's saying 297 or something like that. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think that that's the way it's going to end up. They just they, It would be really beneficial if both of those guys could be back for the twin series where it's slightly lower pressure with a weaker opponent as opposed to like, hey, you're returning against the Yankees with the playoffs on the line. <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh. <laughs> I, I feel yeah. like Santiago, It's at this point, it's Espinal's job to lose because he's been so much better than Biggio at doing the job of playing third base. Um, And, and he was... Again, like you said, he was—he's hitting two ninety-seven. It's—it's a softer two ninety-seven, maybe. But I—I—I I, I think he was getting everything done that you needed to get done for what ultimately is your number nine hitter now. Yeah. Except when, except when Reese McGuire is playing. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I could see Biggio being in there as a utility player again if he's healthy. Yep, Kevin at Kevin Chase Four asks, how much of a negative impact do you think Ryu's injury will have on the rest of the year? Me, personally, I don't think it will have much of an impact. He's going to miss one no. start. Yeah, I mean, there's just not that many starts for him to miss slash be bad at at this point. Uh, and I think if he does come back after the one start and has any def difficulty at all, Ross Stripling is going to be fully stretched out that they will not hesitate after a couple of runs score to put Stripling in everything will be lined up for him to take that, that role. Right. Yeah. I, I just, I just can't see this Ryu thing mattering. I'm, I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm sure if he's out, out, out for good, then yeah, but he's a sore neck. <laughs> I think that's more just, we need to give this guy a breather when we've got stripling. And so why not? And stripling has been good. So, and Ryu has been bad lately. So I don't see how it can really be hurting them unless someone else gets hurt. Yeah. So yeah, we don't think it's the end of the world, which is shocking. You would not remember back in spring when Hinjin, Hinjin Ryu was the most important player on this team. Yeah, whoops. Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> 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 all right. Uh, we're going to hit you up with uh, Gold Star. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a Gold Star. You enjoy that. You've learned it. We're going to give a Gold Star to the Blue Jays offense. Um, not because they're awesome about all the things that we have discussed, uh, but because they upset Garrett Cole, <laughs> which is the best thing they could possibly do. Uh, would you like to, to give the context for how, how we know Cole was upset at the Blue Jays? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Cole was, he'd given up, I think five at this point to Cleveland and they were down five, nothing or five to one. I can't remember the score, but he, he they were losing. And Aaron Boone went out to talk to Garrett Cole and he pointed at the scoreboard, which showed the Blue Jays up five to nothing on the, on the Minnesota Twins. After having batted around it in the first. 
Like, I don't even yes. know it was like the second inning in the, on that scoreboard shot. Yeah. So I'm not going to repeat what he said. You can't. <laughs> I, not on this show. That's the way we run things. But he was upset. <laughs> it was caught on the microphone. <laughs> Oh, it was great. Yeah, yeah. It was very much the, are you kidding me? Like, really? Uh, I think that actually, so a gold star to for the Blue Jays, uh, you can come pick it up. Because anytime you upset the opposing pitcher, first of all, the guts for Boone to point at the scoreboard when he goes out to visit his pitcher who's already losing. Like, wh what's he going to do about that? Is he going to go change the numbers on the scoreboard, Boone? Um, uh, so you don't like it pitch better. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the ship had already sailed on pitching better at that point. Um, I I've seen this on on Reddit just from fans and such, but teams, generally speaking, are afraid to face the Blue Jays in the playoffs because As they in, should be in one fateful inning, they can destroy you without before you even know it's happened. Like that that eleven run inning we highlighted is one of many bad around innings that they've had in the last 22 games, like 22 games where they were 18 and four. I think I, I uh, checked last night. That's like eight, 18 baseball or something. They're winning 80% of their games since they last lost two in a row. Yeah, you, no, I mean, I, I, George Springer is not looking like himself right now. If he starts to get even a little healthier, you've got a, just a dynamite deadly lineup. The best rotation in the league, maybe. I, I don't think there's a better one. Maybe the White Sox. It's but it's close, and the, a really improved, competent bullpen. I, I would not want to face this team at all. Like there, if I'm Boston, Tampa, Chicago, Houston, I am rooting hard for New York. Yeah, because we know New York cannot hit, even at the best of times. Okay, I I don't know that. They actually have a pretty good team. <laughs> But I think that they're more of a flawed roster than the Blue Jays are. Yeah, hundred percent. So it's kind of cool to see your 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 team, you know, as a fan, striking fear into the hearts of someone else just by reading the names in the lineup and going, "Oh, and Robbie Ray's starting." Crap. <laughs> uh, might not help in this game that we're still watching, but you know, stuff happens. Um, yeah, I think that rounds out our topics of discussion with the obvious exception of the very final thought with which I allow you to uh, wax poetic about something Blue Jays related. What will it be? Yeah, so the Blue Jays had their just finished up their second extended homestand, or I guess third, sorry, since returning. And they're still at $15,000, $15,000, 15000 fans capacity that might be changing uh josh donaldson alluded to this like how he really hopes and wished that the fans could be present to cheer on this team because he knows how great that can be and by the way props to josh donaldson for the whole the way he acted that entire series trading jerseys with vlad just giving shouts to toronto the whole time but this all might be changing the blue jays are in negotiations with the federal government now that everyone has to be vaccinated to enter to raise that capacity to 30 or 35,000 people, it's going to be so loud if that happens. And look, I, without knowing what risk factors are present with that, I hope they can get it done because it would be really cool. Um, absolutely. Uh, the louder that building gets, the more fun everybody seems to have, uh, you know, in and out of the, uh, 
of the stadium. Like even watching on TV, it's more fun when the place is rocket. So I, I hope that safely they can get everybody in the building. Uh, proof of vaccination is a huge deal uh, in Ontario now. So if, if they can do that, that's absolutely awesome. Um, I have you. You are blocked by John Heyman. Oh, for like for for ten yeah, years. Yeah, for ten years. So you can't. You can read this. So I sent it to you anyway. Um, Heyman. Heyman is occasionally one of the the more uh, humorous uh, national sports writers uh, to go. So on September eighteenth, twenty twenty one, at eleven oh eight p.m., he tweeted very simply, starting to worry about the Mets. <laughs> like starting, huh? Just. It's it's occurring to him now, and I mean, it is the 20th, it's two days later. The Mets are seven games out, four games below 500 of the last wildcard spot. Uh, yeah, there might be a problem with the Mets. So I'm, I'm glad John has finally looked around the league and just had it sort of felt things out to see if they might be starting to have any problems. Wh where would we be without the Mets, Josh? How, how much less entertainment would we have in a year of baseball without the Mets? I mean, how many times just this year have you, have you heard me sing, meet the Mets, come on down and greet the Mets? It's just, they, they're a constant source of content. Yeah, it's amazing. So, yeah, they may be in trouble, though, folks. You heard it here, there, from Mr. Heyman first. And that brings us to the end, uh, which is to say that you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been uh, Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 220. And we will talk at you next week, hopefully about how the Blue Jays are playing in a wildcard game. <laughs>